Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's the end of another week in the wonderful world of international politics. We've only lost one cabinet minister. There's only one metropolitan police investigation into the Labour Party and its anti-Semitism problem. And now Leave campaigner Aaron Banks is being accused of breaking financial rules during a referendum. Maybe Guy Fawkes had the right idea after all. We're going back to the future today with the news that David Cameron wants to return to frontline politics and a study that shows younger voters actually prefer Margaret Thatcher and her ideas to Jeremy Corbyn. I'm not at all surprised. Those 344-499-1000. Dawn Neeson is here shortly before yet another holiday she's jetting oh, off on. Uh, she'll be telling us why the nation's shopping centres are dying and she'll be presenting me with more Perrier Awards for my broadcasting brilliance this week. 344-499-1000. Plus we'll have a dog popping in to tell us how to keep your pet safe this bonfire night weekend. We've got some special headphones for him as well. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Dawn Neeson on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Very good morning. Happy morning. Friday to you, Ms. Happy Neeson. Friday. You Yay. must be particularly demob happy I'm because you're happy jetting completely. off to yeah. foreign parts, It's just been a you? non-stop holiday all year, to be honest with you. Well, it has, you know. Says, yeah. I mean, there you were sitting in what is now the 40th anniversary of the Daily I Star. I know, happy Edit- birthday. Editorial office. Happy birthday to the Daily Star. Um, you know, did it for 15 years. 15 a fantastic years. job that you did, I have to say. And also, um, you know, brought the paper... Through sort of all sorts of various different uh, took campaigns, sell, took sales, took to, over sales a million. to over a million, to, mm-hmm. for which you should be very much congratulated. Now, of course, you have a much easier life. I sit here and talk up, to you. You talk to me. Which you is pop marvelous. up on television shows. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's not really working. No, is I'm, it? I'm having a lovely life, Mike. But I do. After 18 months, I haven't had a holiday. Yes, I've had a weekend here and there, but I'm I haven't sure had a holiday. Just getting away from watching West Ham, who have been oh. pretty woeful over well, the last I, week. Or I don't so. think we've got to play Spurs any anytime soon again. Thankfully, so. Twice in one week, wasn't it? Or twice yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. So I was fully expecting yeah. it. And it was cold and it was miserable. Yes. And I, I broke my own rule and left the game early. Yes. Well, wouldn't so... you like to go back to the future when it comes to West Ham? You know, when they had great players playing oh. for them and they were actually quite entertaining to watch. But, of course, it's not a football show. But no. what we're talking about here is going back to the future in lots of ways. Because I'm not at all surprised that Sheffield University have come out in this, with a study this week in which it says that a lot of young people in their 20s and 30s 
are actually more kind of, um, shall we say, aware and more sympathetic and more encouraged by listening to people talking about Margaret Thatcher's policies than they are about Jeremy Corbyn's. And there's a reason for that, because actually Jeremy Corbyn doesn't have any policies. He doesn't have any policies. Right. Uh, that's true. Um, but I can't believe this. I don't, I don't remember talking to anyone in that age group in their early 20s who ever said a good thing about Margaret mm. Thatcher. Yeah. I think they've been well, so we've drummed been told, into We them. were being told there's a show that I don't watch. Is it, is it Celebrity First Dates or First Dates or something? There was somebody something on like it that. this week uh, who was young in his 20s. And, and um, he was a fan. And he was a political geek and he bored the, the, the backside off the woman he was trying to chat up by going on and on about how great well, Margaret Thatcher maybe was. Maybe it's going full circle. I mean, sort of like, you know, look, for me, she was a heroine. I mean, whether you agree with her policies or not, I was a young girl going to school and suddenly we had a female Prime Minister. Yeah. That was brilliant. I mm. mean, I think she was and, strong. I mean, it has to be pointed out at this stage that uh, the Labour Party have yet still to have a female leader of the exactly, party. Exactly, quite. So they the, haven't the, party that yet. the Party of Equality. The Party of Equality, the Party of Misogyny is what I like I to think, call it. I think when they get a Jewish female leader, then we'll be happy. Then we'll be happy. Let's talk to Matteo Bergamini, who is the CEO of Shout Out UK. Uh, he's a guy that, tr- that follows trends in, in young people's voting patterns and also in young people's beliefs and all of that. Matteo, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, morning. Hi, Matty. Morning, thanks very much for hey. joining us. I mean, I don't know whether you've noticed the change uh, in people's attitudes, in young people's attitudes, or whether they're looking back uh, at what they might not know was a very difficult period for Britain in terms of its policies and its politics and its and its kind of, you know, rich and poor scenarios, or whether uh, this is a kind of a bit of an anomaly, this study. Um, I would say it's a bit of, um, it's not so much an anomaly, it's more around how history looks at political leaders. I mean, we mentioned before, I think um, your colleague mentioned it before, you know, that, that she was the first um, female prime minister this country's had. Yeah. And if you think of, uh, think of Margaret Thatcher, you, know, you think of the idea of this iron lady, this strong uh, person that brought Britain through some very dark times. Yeah. History yes. looks very favourably to her. So if you consider that, it's not that much of a shock that young people that didn't live through when she was um, in power or, or, um, or very young, when she was, when she was still alive... Um, see her through the sort of lens of history as opposed to actually being there and the sort of emotions that were being driven by people that really hated her or really loved her at the time. So for young people, it's more like a historical figure that just brought Britain through for a dark, a dark time. And for me, it actually kind of makes sense that those same young people end up voting for someone like Jeremy Corbyn, not because of the policy differences, but more because he's also representing someone that is fighting for young people, whether you agree with that or not is a different story, but he's representing someone that sees that this generation, this next generation, is going through a horrific period. We can't buy houses, the economy, etc. And he's trying to do something about that. And that's the sort of persona that he's putting forward. You do know, as as you are talking to somebody, and and both of us, I suppose, children of Thatcher, how ridiculous it sounds when you say, you know, it's awful, we can't buy houses. You know, I mean, when we grew up in the 70s, you couldn't buy a railway ticket because the trains were on strike. You couldn't buy a car uh, because it was too expensive. You know, never mind buying a house. She made it possible for people to buy houses who had never been even able to think about property. Well, I'm sure, you know, with, with, the, with the right to buy and so forth, with the council houses thing. I mean, yeah, that, that, was, that was one of her policies, probably one of the most famous, I'd say. Yeah, well, indeed. And I think and I think one of the reasons why young people perhaps are quite in admiration of, of, of her is because she did make it possible for people. I mean, by far and away, um, uh, the, 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 the common sort of wheel was very much in favour of Margaret Thatcher when she was in power. And that's why she won so many elections, mm. because she did help so many people. I mean, Britain was a very, very class-riven society. 
uh, in the 1970s. You know, you could not get a job in the stock market if you were not the son of a stockbroker. You could not get a job in the city of London if you hadn't gone to public school. You know, she opened all that up with a big bang. You couldn't buy a house. You could you, not yeah, buy a house. You could I not mean, get on the property impossible. ladder and there was no chance of you. There was no social mobility whatsoever uh, under the previous Labour government. And she made all of that possible. And I think that's what people now look at because people now see a time when maybe we've gone back a bit to that kind of uh, social mobility problem. I mean, I don't think there's maybe. I think that there's, there's definitely that. We've definitely gone back to that. You know, there was a there was a period, especially, for example, in my parents' day, just, just a generation ago, where you could buy, for example, a house or a flat and then you, 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 could, you could get on with your life um, in a reasonable way, whereas now it's it's almost impossible for a young person to get on the property ladder, for example. Yeah, but that's not the it's end of the world, is my point, Matthew. I mean, people obsess about this, and it's a very middle-class obsession, It to is be the honest, one thing that's always brought up by this it's, generation. It's, it's the, the millennials' obsession yeah, is, I can't buy a house. But it's, it's a problem. Well, I mean, to be, to be honest, Matteo, it's not. Because for generations and for decades, we all managed to live quite happily, renting accommodation, never owning anything. My parents, my grandparents, no. they couldn't afford to buy no, houses. Exactly. And that's where but we came from. Generation, it's, not, it's not like a human right. Now. It's not a human right, though, is it? No, but we live in one of the richest countries in the world. And if it's a problem that we can resolve, which it is, we should be looking to resolve that. All oh, right. How do we resolve it then, Matteo? Well, you can build more. For example, well, that's I mean, not going to drop the have... price, though, is it? Well, if there's more, if there's more supply, of course. No, it won't. Don't talk rubbish. You can't just build houses and expect the prices to drop in Kensington or in you know Birmingham or in Manchester. It's just not going to happen. I mean, not Kensington, of course not. But there are other places that you can build. I mean, the point is that it is an issue. And if you look at, for example, the idea of rent, if you look at the example, for example, of um, real wages, where wages haven't gone up in relation to the cost of stuff, so your pound goes goes um, goes less than what it used to. There is, yeah, there see, I think because you didn't live in the 70s, you really have nothing to compare poverty to. You know, when we grew up, we had nothing. We literally had nothing. We had no shops that you could buy no. avocados in. You know, we had no ability to buy foreign cars. If you could buy any car and keep it for maybe 12 couldn't years, you were lucky. We couldn't afford a no, car. No, I mean, we didn't always have a car no. when I was a kid. You know, you didn't have foreign holidays all the time. You couldn't just jet off to, you know, the Far East, whenever you felt like it, or America or Florida. You couldn't do any of those things. It was like living in the Dark Ages, Matteo. Well, it was because you had electric strikes And there was also power cuts quite frequently It was the Dark well. Ages. I'm sure, but it's a different generation with different issues. I mean, with all due respect, you're, you're not a young person that's currently living, starting your career at this time. So, like I was. No, but I do know you some young younger. people, Matteo. I don't just hang around with a lot of old gits, you know. I'm not an old git, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Very harsh. I didn't mean present company accepted, of course. But what I'm saying is that different generations are different issues. And like I'm saying, it's, it's different now for young people. And there are different it's issues. A lot, yeah, it's a lot easier, it. though, it's Matthew, easier. for young people. Oh, really I, can, I can promise you that. I've got kids who are going through exactly what you're describing, starting off in the, in the, in the workplace, leaving university. You know, many people in my generation didn't go to university because they couldn't uh, afford to no, or because they didn't want to uh, or because they just had to get a job because that was the only mm. way they could get... They, they, the family needed their money and their financial input. I think you have to put that into massive perspective. You know, the fact that you can't get a house, the fact that you're only getting paid 30000 instead of 40000 you know, these are minuscule problems compared to what they used to be in the 70s. They are different problems. They're not minuscule. They're different problems. Of course problems. they are. And it's, it, I mean, back a generation, jobs were easier to get. You, you reckon? You couldn't go to university, but you could get jobs that didn't require you to go to university. Oh, yeah, like now, what? Every, I mean, there was massive unemployment free. when uh, Thatcher came into power exactly, in 1979. Yes. There were no jobs, actually. 
absolute rubbish. You might remember the uh, the reason that the Thatcher um, uh, policies worked so well was because there was a very famous poster come up with by the Thatchy brothers, Labour isn't working. working. And it was a huge picture of people standing outside a Labour exchange, as they were called then, because there were, you know, millions of people unemployed. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, different issues and different problems. No, yeah, but you can't say one thing, Matteo, which is wrong, and then just make out as something different. It's You're wrong. There were no jobs back then. There are more jobs now. You know, there is more money available now. There are mu- there's a much greater disparity uh, of money being t- uh, trickled there's down to all sorts of people. more money available now that's worth less. I mean, it's, it's clear that... What do you mean it's worth less? Ten, for the past 10 years, real wages has gone down. So, yes, people have more money, but if the money that you have buys less, I don't then, agree. I don't agree. I mean, this is this was on full fact. I mean, this, it's a, it's a fact that real wages have gone down in the last ten years. So for how for your pound, your what well, your one pound goes less. Well, I see a lot more when I go to the airport. I see a lot of young people taking flights to various places around the world where they seem to be going on constant. Oh, because it's cheaper to fly places. Oh, right. Sorry, I thought you said it was more expensive. No. Ah. Real wages have gone down. Yeah, but something. Yeah, but lots. So, so the cost of flying around the world has also gone down. Uh, the cost of buying a car has also gone down. The cost of many things has actually gone down, and so it all evens itself out in the end. Well, not really. People are using food banks more now. Oh, rubbish. Uh, you, can, you can take People are using industry, more food banks like... now because there are food banks. That's, you know, well, there weren't food banks in the 1970s because nobody had food banks in the 1970s. No. But I'm sure if they'd opened a few, people would have gone there and got food. You know, these are all left-wing shibboleths, Matteo. Well, this is, this is what's surprising about this whole study. Is that How old are you, Matteo, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 26. So 26. So this is what I'm finding surprising about this study, because it's talking about your generation, who are thinking that the Thatcherite policies were a good thing um, as compared to Jeremy Corbyn's. And I, 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 all I hear from your generation is pretty much what you were being saying this morning. And, you know, I, I just think you do feel a bit entitled to everything, your generation, whereas you go back a couple of generations. We didn't think we were entitled to anything. We just got on with it. Well, I, I mean, I think that's... Like... I mean, no, we don't feel entitled. It's but you do a, feel entitled because you feel entitled to Matthew, a house. Matthew, I've got a, I've got a tweet here. I'd like to put it to you from David. He says, "Ask your caller, sure. please. What phone does he use? What laptop does he have? And where did he spend his last holiday?" Well, I didn't know, but okay. I mean, I've what phone I've you got? got a, I've got a Samsung phone. Samsung, right? Okay. Uh, how much does yeah. that cost you? Samsung about four hundred pounds. What? Give or take. Four hundred pounds. Four hundred quid for a phone. Okay. Uh, what about laptop? What you got? Laptop is a uh, Microsoft. Microsoft laptop. That's how much. How much does that cost? Um, Microsoft. It's for work. It was about a grand. About a thousand pounds. Okay. And yeah. where did you spend your last holiday? Uh, Italy. Italy. Very nice. Tuscany. Yeah. Uh, no, Venice. Venice, <laughs> sinking you know. underwater. Matteo, we're holding you. Matteo, here's the thing. The point is, is that you've got a pretty nice life, right? Now you may think of yourself as privileged in the job that you've got, but you, many people are like you. You know, you are very similar to every other 26-year-old oh, yeah. who is currently in this country in the middle-class uh, situation, uh, who has a, a life which, if you were to go back to the 70s, mate, you would not believe how awful it was. You just wouldn't believe it. And it's not a question of things being different and things being harder for you, which weren't hard for us. No, it's the fact that. Margaret Thatcher actually created the society that you are currently benefiting from. And whether you like that or not, that's where we are. I'm not disagreeing that Margaret Thatcher didn't do policies that benefited us in the long run. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. And what I'm saying around that study, actually, you know, 
what young people seeing with regards to Margaret Thatcher's policies and looking at her in a positive way, and then also supporting Jeremy Corbyn, for me, makes perfect sense. What 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 has Jeremy Corbyn actually ever done for young people? Really, he talks a lot about doing stuff, he talks but then a lot never about doing ne- actually does things, anything. Yeah. He has no policy really, no. and we know Matteo, uh, and anyone who studies politics will know and will tell you, as you will probably know, that Jeremy Corbyn uh, is a sort of uh, a, a man who is wearing somebody else's suit. First of all, he doesn't like to wear suits, but he's wearing one. And it's not just the suit that he's pretending to wear. He's pretending to wear policies mm. that he doesn't agree with. For example, uh, he is a massive Brexiteer. He would have been if he could uh, get his uh, the truth out there. But he's not allowed to admit that. You know, he would like to nationalise every single uh, industry in this country if he could. He's not allowed to say that. Do you know what I'm saying? I think people don't see him as a, as a, as a sort of positive politician in any way, shape or form because he can't tell the truth. I mean, I mean, with with the Brexit thing, I definitely agree with. You. I think he, he he didn't really campaign or stand up for for the Remain or the, or the Leave side. I mean, he sort of stayed on the edge um, a little bit, sort of wondering where the wind blows. That uh, yeah, but I would say with Jeremy Corbyn, it's not so much necessarily his policies. I mean, he hasn't done much in the sense that he's been in opposition for for for, for his entire time as the as the Labour leader. But he represents change. He represents someone that is at least in the surface looking like he wants to make this, this situation better for... Yeah, but that's the problem. Young. He keeps saying he wants to make it better, but he doesn't say how he's going to do that. And that is the basic problem. But Matteo, listen, thanks very much thanks, indeed uh, for your help. Matteo Bergamini, the CEO of Shoutout UK. Now, it can't be a bad idea to play a load of music from the 70s now that we're going back to well, the 70s. Well, some of the music wasn't too bad, but a lot of that was a bit rough as well. You didn't like the music of the 70s? Not over key. Really? I, but I'm slightly younger than you, well, so maybe I, mean, I was... Uh... 1970s, the punk revolution, I thought you yeah, were... Yeah, but that was the punk. end of the 70s. Oh, sorry, sort of do like you not, not count the end of the decade as well, part of the decade? Well, I mean, 78, 79, yeah, but I mean, the, the, the glam rock stuff was... You didn't like, like T-Rex? That was a bit too young you for it. You don't like T-Rex? I don't dislike them, Amazing. but I was a little bit young for mm, them. Okay, then, okay, 03444991000, we're coming your calls in a moment. A couple of great tweets coming in. Les says, well said, uh, MG, the self-entitlement of millennials, we can't afford to buy a house. In the 60s and 70s, both my parents worked full-time and we couldn't buy a house. Had planned power cuts, no holidays, used jumble sales for clothes, couldn't afford cars and this was the norm. That's exactly right. That just right. sums it up. That does sum it totally up. Totally, for I'm, most so, people in the 70s, But yeah. they, they, they don't listen. They seem to, and I hate using the phrase entitled generation because yeah. my niece is part of this, but they just don't seem to think or realise just how lucky they are. Maybe the Who could do a new song talking about my entitled <laughs> generation. Sean says, how about prices of things like televisions these days? Super cheap. Very true. Ian says, in the late 70s, I had two options when leaving school, YTS or the army. And that was yeah. uh, YTS was the youth training youth uh, service, training. right? Gosh, yeah, I remember uh, t- that. Uh, no, that one I've already read. You can't blame Matteo, says Steve, for not understanding what it was like in the 1970s. So well done to you, uh, MG and Dawn, for setting him straight. These really are the best times to live in, whether you were young, old, or middle-aged. Let's talk to Andy, who's in Portsmouth. Hello, Andy. Hello, Mike. Uh, Hi, how Andy. you doing? Hello. Um, well, I tell you what, Matty, I mean, I, I normally spend my morning just tweeting you. I send about 100 tweets yeah. a morning to your show, but he finally bought me out behind <laughs> the tweeting. OK, then. Um, I just couldn't resist. Look, listen, I mean, in, in the 70s, we were still in the third industrial revolution. Yeah. We're now in industrial revolution 4.0. 
Um, I mean, if you think about it, think about the internet, Twitter, yeah. uh, Facebook, uh, the, the way that people can form groups of like-minded people together without even thinking about it now. Yeah. Uh, you know, touch technology. I mean, you know, all we had then was a typewriter. There yes. was no computer. Mm. There was no mobile phone. Well, I so say, imagine... I try and explain, I don't know whether you have kids, Andy, I try and explain to my kids now that, you know, when I used to go out to, to meet somebody on a Saturday night, I, you know, I chatted up some girl and said, you want to meet me in some pub or other, right? I'd go to the pub yeah. and I have no idea if she was going to be there no idea what to do if she wasn't there and no idea that she didn't turn up whether she'd either been one murdered or two changed her mind or three uh, <laughs> hadn't managed to get there because the bus was on strike you know what I mean uh, well absolutely Mike I mean it was the age of meeting under the platform clock right because that was the only way you could do it yeah. yes and actually talking you know, to each other. Just ask Jeffrey Archer. Sorry, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> no. It is the 40th anniversary of the Daily oh, Star. Yeah, thank you. But you're absolutely right, Andy. I mean, they don't. And it's this kind of myth that they that they put out there that oh, it was much easier to get a job in those days. Three and a half million yeah. unemployed. Uh, Mike, if I may say, you know, when it comes to Jeremy Corbyn and, and his policies, I mean, look, at the, at, at the moment, Jeremy Corbyn, all he needs in his manifesto is, um, a, a, is free DeLoreans and flux capacitors for, every, for everyone <laughs> to take them back to the 1970s. Yeah, that's, well, that's, what he wants that's where to he go. wants to go, yeah. And I mean, back then, uh, we didn't want a Labour government, and now we don't want one either, because people realise that it's all pie in the sky. Well, ab- absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, he can talk the talk, uh, uh, you know, and, and he can excite people and everything. But when you just pull the skin off the rice pudding, mm. you realise that's exactly what it is. Mm. Just a great big damp squib of a rice pudding. Yes, mm. you you're know? absolutely right. But the best, that's the best analogy for Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party I've ever heard, Andy. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Andy in Portsmouth. Let's go to Paddy, who's in Suffolk. Hello, Paddy. Yeah, good morning. Hi, Paddy. Good morning. How are you doing, Paddy? I'm very well. Um, who have you got with you today? Is Dawn. It? Smashy or nicey or yeah. Or well, you know, you'll provide the smashy and nicey part, um, and then we'll we'll carry on with the professional broadcasting, Paddy. What have you been watching on YouTube today? Well, um, I haven't been watching the BBC because I don't trust them. No, of course no. not. No, oh, no, so... no. Actually, that that's not that that's not weird. That is actually probably a good thing. Yeah, I wouldn't say don't trust the BBC, but I would certainly say they've forgotten what news is. That's for sure. <laughs> but what I'm going to say, Mike, uh, Mike is yes. um, I am a fan of Thatcher. You're good. Um, and things were generally better off after that period. Yes. But she had this kill-or-cure policy regarding industry. And although she weeded out all these fifth-columnist Soviet people who were working against the country, Mm. at the end of it all, it sort of left us with no industrial base, really. That's that true. We had before. We, but, but, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think anyone in their right mind would, would make out that everything Margaret Thatcher did was no, brilliant. No, absolutely. Because, you know, I was, I was a much, in a way, I was a much bigger fan of her when she was around than I am now, because actually looking back, there were some things that she did which were horrendously bad. For mm. example, selling council houses was a great idea, but not building any more mm. to replace them yes. was a stupid idea. Do you know what I mean? Yes, um, and I, she, I think she gets too much credit with what happened in the Falklands or whatever. Right. Because if you look behind the scenes, apparently, you know, she wasn't as determined as we all think she was at the very beginning. Mm. She, she spoke to certain people and they sort of... They stiffened her resolve, as it were. Yes, yes. yes. 
But again, I mean, surely that's the, that's the work of a good prime minister. A good leader listens to people listens, who work yeah, with absolutely. them and for them, you know. And I think overall, she will be she should be judged as a woman uh, who did tremendous good for this country, uh, and and in, and on balance was was one of the great prime ministers we've ever had. And I really get sick to death of hearing people moaning and groaning uh, about why she was the biggest witch that ever lived and how she hated the poor. Absolute rubbish, you know. I think some of the things that were said about her at the funeral when yeah, she died shocking. were just shocking. Yeah. I think that was outrageous. Mm. I mean, I think no it need. all stems from the fact she was a woman yep. and the sort of things she said, if the exact same things had come from a man, that'd have been okay. Yeah. But uh, we'll go back like a generation now and the sort of people who were in power then were from an even earlier old-fashioned generation. Right. And it just wasn't the sort of behaviour you expected from a woman. But also, they, they, you know, she, she stood for something as well, and I think that's what we miss now, not just on the Labour side, but also on the Tory side. You know, Theresa May uh, may be quite a good manager of her party, mm. and there might be those who would even disagree with that. But what I can't tell you is what she believes in, whereas I know exactly what Margaret Thatcher believed in. Well, I suppose... Um... Corbyn believes in all this lefty Soviet stuff. Yeah, but does he? Because he, I mean, if he does, he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't actually give away what he really believes in. That's part of the problem, I think, and why he will never be elected leader of this country, Prime Minister, because he does not tell the truth about what he actually believes in. And I'm very suspicious of his liaison with the terrorists in the, you know. Yeah. Um... I think he was a bit too more sympathetic than what he makes out. Mm. He, I think he tries to let on. He was doing this just to keep, you know, keep them from bombing London or whatever. But I suspect he was sympathetic. Mm. I think he probably was. I think the problem you've got these days is, without mentioning the B word, which I just did, mm. is that no one on either side, the left or the right, can actually give their honest opinions because they know they're going to upset 50% of the population. So I just think they're all... T- and Margaret Thatcher just didn't care and she didn't have this problem at the time, obviously. So she just came out with what she wanted to say and got on with it. Now, they're too terrified of upsetting the 50% of the population that didn't vote for what they actually stand for. I think it's worse for. than that. I think he's terrified of upsetting momentum. He's, yep. up, he's terrified of upsetting the people pulling the real strings inside the Labour Party. Uh, and he can't really be seen to have uh, a view on all sorts of things. Well, that that's why he never gives interviews. He, How many yeah. interviews does he actually give? And unless he, it's a um, sympathetic... And when he does give them. He gives the impression he doesn't like being asked any questions. Yeah. Anyway, Paddy, listen, I'd like to talk to you Thanks, again. Paddy. Have a wonderful weekend. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. My favourite part of the show uh, is about to get underway because uh, we've got a great guest in the studio, a new co-host, cheaper than you, uh, more well-behaved than you, uh, and less trouble than you, to be honest. His name's Woody, and blonder than you as well. His name's Woody. Uh, He is with his very good friend, Ellie, uh, Ellie Shavler, who's coming from the RSPCA, because we're going to talk about uh, Bonfire Night and what things you should do to keep your pets safe. Uh, We're going to talk an interview Woody in a second because he's going to tell us I speak dog right I've told you, you this yeah, I'm going to get from Woody all the news that you need that's fit to print whether it's a poor print or whether it's a real print 0344 499 you're listening to me Mike Graham Woody the dog and Dawn Neeson on Talk Radio The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio Now Ellie thank you so much for coming in uh, the microphone if you could just talk right into that microphone that'd be great I can see Woody's on the floor uh, we'd like to get him up on the table but that might be a bit difficult what sort of dog is Woody? So Woody's a crossbreed. Um, I adopted him when he was a year and a half. Okay. Um, he's also one of the lucky dogs because he's not frightful of fireworks. And that's good. He's not oh. frightened of being on the radio either. He's a bit it's of a diva good. by the looks of it. He oh, looks he's... like he's done this all before. He's enjoying all the fuss. He's got he? a little bag of chocolate buttons here as well. He's got beautiful eyes, isn't he? Viciously near me now. It's lovely. Really he really is lovely. lovely. How old is he? Uh, he's seven. Seven. Aww. So uh, I'm going to ask Woody the dog directly. Yep. Woody. Um, Woody. No, look at me, Woody. He's ignoring you. I love the fact that you talk. Look at me. (laughs) Look at me, Woody. Now, listen to me. Uh, What are you going to do tomorrow night when all the bonfires are going and all the fireworks start going off? He's just, he's he's communicating with me. This radio is a bit interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. You see, he's telling me basically that the best thing to do uh, is to go anywhere near the stairs that you can. Hide under the stairs if you need to. Uh, Sit on the stairs behind the door if you need to. Just get yourself away from all the bright lights and you'll be fine. Isn't that what he said? Yes, I think so. (laughs) Because that is what you need to do if you have got a dog. Some dogs... Personally, I think the dog was looking at you going, what the hell is that man Yeah, but you see, you've you've never been able to interpret the animal kingdom, No, I don't know. So I'm going to talk to Ellie. Okay, then. Ellie. (laughs) Right, you talk to Ellie. What should you do if you... I mean, as you say, Woody isn't a nervous dog, so he's fine. But what should you do if you've got a dog at home this weekend where it's with fireworks, wall-to-wall... What should you do with your pet? Well, sadly, Woody... I mean, Woody is one of the lucky ones, but actually around 40% of dogs are fearful of um, loud noises such as fireworks. So advice we have for pet owners is, one, you know, walk your dog in the daylight hours Mm -hmm. and you're more likely to um, avoid any of the fireworks being let off. Um, If you've got cats, where possible, try and keep them in. 
Um, you can help muffle the noise by closing windows, um, closing your curtains, and you can also turn your radio and TV turn up. Turn your radio up, absolutely right. <laughs> so, now, yeah, distraction then, Yeah, now, yeah. We've, we've got a pair of headphones sitting on, on, on Woody's head there. Can you get sort of dog muffs, ear muffs that they can wear that stops the sound from, from being too loud in their ears? Because um, they, they have got very good hearing, haven't they? Yes, they do hear Sorry high... to talk around you there, Woody. <laughs> so dogs can hear high frequencies, yeah. but actually that might not be relevant completely for fireworks, mm. but we know how loud they sound to us, yes. so they do also startle animals. I mean, what people can also do is kind of create a, a hiding space, a safe space so for like the Like Mike dog. was saying, under the stairs, if you've got stairs. And... They can go there, they can feel in control. And also for those that have small mammals, you can put extra bedding that they can burrow into and also put... Um, uh, like a cover over their cage. Mm. So it's thinking about all the other animals, yeah. not just dogs. Because it's not just dogs. I mean, most animals are affected. Yeah, I mean, most people think about um, cats and dogs, but actually the RSPCA gets calls about a variety of animals, including African grey parrots, tarantulas. Tarantulas? Terrapins. We've They've had... got ears. <laughs> tarantulas got ears. I, I, I had one. I had one for years. She never, ever was affected by fireworks, are I have sure? to say. Yeah, definitely. How do you know it was a she? Well, because she used to eat a boyfriend's. Yeah, see, that's what that's, they do. That's what female tarantulas that's do. That's the sort of pet I'd expect you to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, that yeah. and a praying mantis. <laughs> you know, lovely going around at Dawn's house. What about things like sort of hamsters and 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 you know guinea pigs? Are they affected similarly? Yeah, most definitely. I think every, anyone that's got pets at home should take um, the advice around trying to muffle the noise, turn mm. up the radio to help their animals. And also, it's not just pets. There's wildlife, and there's also people that own horses that aren't able to bring right. them in their own houses, and yeah. also farm animals as well. Do you know my dog i've got a labrador who's quite skittish and, and generally kind of a bit of a wuss all round. he gets freaked out sometimes at halloween not so much by the noises but by the masks and the, and the pumpkins and the places on the pumpkins and stuff is that normal yeah i mean dogs can be startled by a number of things uh, woody in particular barks if people don't look like a normal human silhouette if they've got a big hat on or they're oh, carrying really? a bag he did yeah. bark quite a lot when he came in and saw a mic for the first time oh, i was gonna he? say it was a bit frisky then well i mean an animals love me i mean animals and children whenever i go anywhere they they, 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 they run up to me grown women love me for a while <laughs> then they hate me i don't know what that's all about but i mean as far as the, the fireworks sort of thing we now have so many different periods where fireworks go off don't we it used to be that when i was a kid we'd be talking about mm. growing up under thatcher in the 70s and all that you know you had fireworks in your garden maybe um on a bonfire night and you maybe then maybe if you were lucky there was one big firework display you could go to now they're everywhere and you've got diwali you've got new year's eve you've got bonfire night you know there seems to be fireworks going off now a lot more than they ever were yeah, it's definitely become more of a fireworks season between September to January. So we've got five months mm. where people that own animals are trying to make their, sure their animals are safe. Because we've talked about how some animals like to hide, but actually some like to bolt and escape as mm. well. And, you know, horses can run into fences. So also considering other things you can do, so like making sure your dog's wearing a collar, but also making sure they're microchipped so you can be... Yes. Um, Reunited with I mean, there are animal. some people with a, with a view towards that that they would like there to be only certain kind of days where fireworks are allowed to be set off. I and mean, because I've got a dog, I mean, we, my kids and I used to have little firework displays in the back garden, but since we've had the dog, we don't do it because obviously, you know, you don't want to upset the dog by having the fireworks that close. Um, would it is it is it rational and and fair to say people should only be allowed to go to public fireworks displays? Yeah, most definitely. Well, he's so getting excited. Is... <laughs> there is. I think he just spotted you, Dawn. Yeah, I had them rolling on the floor. <laughs> 
Um, no, year on year we are seeing petitions collecting more and more signatures, so there is real widespread concern about this. Mm. And it's not people being party poopers. I myself love fireworks, yeah. but actually there definitely needs to be stronger regulations. And something the RSPCA is calling for is actually to restrict the private use of fireworks to key dates, like you mentioned, yes. New Year and November the 5th, but also that we need to reduce the noise level of fireworks. Right. Um, and, you know, more and more people this year are buying silent fireworks, so there is changes that could be made by the government yeah. to help um, reduce silent the Silent fireworks is not a bad I've idea. I've never even heard of silent yeah, fireworks. Yeah, you know, I, I used to live in, uh, when I lived in Wiltshire, right, I was right on the edge of Salisbury Plain, and they have war games there yeah. for the army. And I remember being outside, I was used to smoking those days, outside looking up at the sky, and all these bright lights were going oh, off, and it turned that. out they were having a battle. Yeah. But because but of all silent. the residents, they're not allowed to have real noise. So they do it, so it's good enough for the army. It's good enough for everybody else, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, we've also seen some, like, um, we've got Benny the Beluga Whale, who's currently taken home in yeah, the Thames. I had this conversation Where this is morning. he, by the way? It's still there, isn't he? So, uh, Graves and he's Council he's, have he's cancelled Westfield their display. So they've cancelled oh, they? their display Is he still in the river? Benny. Yeah, he's still he down is. there. Blimey. We actually, we had some Halloween balloons in the house, and uh-huh. there, um, I because we live near the river, so I actually bounced my Halloween balloon into the river. Did you? And my husband, I know, wrong, plastic. And my husband actually said to me, he goes, Did he dive in What about it? the well? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I had forgotten about it, but the well is still down there. So, yeah, they have Well, not if he's got your balloon stuck in his gullet. You see, that's the kind of irresponsible <laughs> act that I've expected. What, what I'm having trouble with here, Ali, is that the, the RSPCA have launched the campaign to fireworks but all but four days of the year. But with the amount of religious festivals as well going on, h- how do you decide which four days? Because it's like... November the 5th isn't actually this weekend, but people will be having their parties this weekend because it falls during the week. So how, how do you legislate for which days they're going to be? So at the moment, the sale of fireworks is uh, restricted to around those traditional dates. Mm-hmm. So the dates that we say we'd like to see the use of them to also be around those traditional dates are ones that are already set in the fireworks regulations and the firework tax. Um, but we also think that reducing the noise decibel and also ensuring that all fireworks displays are licensed for the use of fireworks could also be steps to help um, reduce the impact on animals. Do you think the way to go is to ban any private fireworks at all? Um, that's not what we're calling for, but we believe if we can restrict the use of them, it will allow pet owners to put the provisions in place rather than hearing them in September, randomly in November, where the um, animals have like... Right have not had an opportunity to have those safe spaces or the mm. or the radio turned up. No, indeed. And, I mean, as far as dog ownership and, and cat ownership and that is concerned, I mean, are you seeing that rising these days? Do people have more dogs now than they used to, or is it much the same? Um, I think when it comes to people having to go to work, I think that restricts them having a, a pet yeah. in their life. Mm. Um, in regards to the RSPCA... Um, you know, millions of people do have cats and dogs. We're still dealing with a lot of cruelty cases. Right. And we're also dealing with welfare issues such as fireworks. So we get hundreds of calls every year from concerned members of the public. Right. And that's just the tip of the iceberg because people wouldn't usually think to call us. Mm. So do you have distressed. sort of wardens that go out then on, on November the 5th or will you have them this weekend? So when people call us, we will help provide advice. We also do a lot of education campaigns. So people can actually start preparing their pets for the fireworks season. Um, by using sound therapy so okay. fireworks phobia is treatable but it involves working with your animals months in the run up so what do you have to do like play them loud music or something play them guns and roses or something yep so there's something called sound therapy for pets it's available online or if your animal has a particularly strong phobia you can work with professional animal behaviourists as well right. okay. I didn't know that my sister her, she's got Weimarai and it's so nervous at the best of times that for fireworks night she ends up sleeping with it in the dog basket they literally end up cuddling each other all night. Mm. 
It, it works. I mean, the dog is actually calmed down. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a nightmare for them. Yeah, to be but they can. I mean, mine, mine, we, we were sitting down. I remember it was in, in Hastings. They do a bonfire and, and fireworks sort of on the eve, on, on the anniversary of the Battle of Hastings. So we have two back in October. And we were down at the seafront, and this band started up, and these drummers started. Yeah. And my dog was in the back of an estate car, and he jumped over the back seat, jumped into the front seat, and sat on my lap oh. right, while I was just sitting there yeah. parked. Yeah. And that was the only place he felt safe. Yeah. See, Aww. I told you, I'm like the Pied Piper oh, of dogs. Lovely, yeah. I like the look of uh, your dog. I like him, Woody. He's lovely, isn't he? Yeah, he's very, he's he's very, very He's very well behaved as the well. The whole do you production think, team has stayed do you think gazing after this, through the glass after at him, this, sort of like he's clearly, he's clearly being very, kisses, he's very... He's obviously being very soothed by my voice. I think if you switch on talk radio every day for him between 10 and 1 um, and he listens to this show, he'll probably become very even more calm. What do you reckon? He's not worried about fireworks. Feel free to really, agree so. with me. Yes. It's, it's great radio for dogs. It is. Radio for dogs. It's the new slogan. <laughs> Get your dog listening to talk radio, you know, and give him a Rage Yard diary while you're at it. Oh, controversial. Thank you very much indeed for coming in. Have you got any last sort of message from Woody? Woody? Um, he's, been, uh, he's been very well behaved. Woody would like to say to all those people who too are concerned about the use of fireworks, please do go to rspca.org.uk forward slash fireworks action where you can help join our campaign to regulate fireworks. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant, uh, Ellie Shaver from RSPCA Aww. and Woody the dog, the star of the show. The st- the, the, definitely the star of the we show. Can't we should that. have him in it every single day. We can't day. follow that. We have to give him a Perrier Award for being <laughs> yeah, so well behaved. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank this you. This is Talk Radio. <laughs> the Independent Republic and Mike Graham 03444991000 is the number to call we've got loads of great tweets here one here from Toonbod he says being the youngest of four in the 70s Matteo wants to try getting hand-me-down clothing from two brothers I'm just grateful the third oldest was a girl although I'm sure I also got some of hers as I'm well so, absolutely it was that bad that you probably would have ended up but <laughs> which probably. is fine by the way you can dress how you want these days folks and of course uh, you can identify as who you wish exactly. as well exactly that's another thing that we could never do in the 70s you remember can you imagine walking into your parents uh, kitchen because I actually slept in the kitchen, by the way, because uh, we lived in a flat in Hampstead, and Hampstead was a very nice part of the world, but my dad didn't believe in actually buying property because he was a bit of a closet communist, right. Right? a bit of a trade unionist, right? So we rented this flat, uh, and then had one bedroom, and my parents slept in a, on a divan in the living room yeah. um, where we also had a sort of small dining table and a fireplace and, and a TV. Um, I, my, I slept in the one other bedroom with my, my sister in bunk beds, but when she turned 14, she kicked me out for obvious reasons. Obviously, you don't you know, want your little brother there. the place to herself. Yep. I, so I had to go to sleep in the kitchen. Well, I, at my, least it was warm. It was well. It wasn't actually. Oh, no, wasn't it? we didn't have any heating. <laughs> no, you didn't believe in central heating. No, we didn't have any heating. Well, you, well, you didn't have to, but you didn't have central heating then either. No, by the way, central heating. I mean, I remember getting up and making a coal fire. Yeah. Oh my god, this is turning into a Monty Python sketch, it really, isn't it? Yeah, I'm but sorry, yeah, but... but it still is the case though. Yeah. How about this from Refine? He says in 2018, millennials moan about having to queue for an hour to get an iPhone. In the 1970s, it could take six weeks to get a landline installed. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, if if the BT people weren't on strike, yeah, absolutely. In which case, yep. you know, you could actually. But, I remember. I've got my first shift in Fleet Street uh, and it was doing a reporting shift for The Sun and I was about to get my byline. After working there for about three weeks, I was finally going to get a byline on the story. Paper didn't come out. <laughs> it went on strike. I went, where's the paper? <laughs> we got to about 10 o'clock at night. We'd been out to the pub, came back, waiting to see the paper coming yeah. up. Where is it? Oh, it's not coming out. I'm like, what do you mean oh. it's not coming out? Uh, there's been a problem with the printers. They've all walked out. 
Did you not get to keep the proof, though, the page proof of no. it? No. I never no. saw that. No, oh, I was just, a, I was just a shifting reporter. Oh, speaking of which, Speaking of which, I'm expecting you now to regale me with a couple of good stories from the old Fleet Street days because the 40th anniversary it of Daddy Star today. It is the 40th today. anniversary. You were the editor of it for 15 years. I was. What is your favourite memory of editing the Daily Star? Are there so many, you know? Well, no, you're going to have to come up with one. I, well, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great, it is a great paper. And it's a great I, business, isn't it? It's a, it's, it's, it was designed, obviously, to sort of like take up room on the print presses because back in the day the express that's the funny thing isn't it yes it was it was it was mm. designed as a little sort of like gap filler and and in the end it, it became a, a fun paper it's designed to give you a bit of a laugh during your tea break yeah. you know and and that's all it's designed to and do. it was designed initially as a kind of northern paper not least because it, well it was um, born in manchester because it was born in manchester but also because in the olden days it was hard to get the football results into a first edition yes that's that right got up to the north of england yes. so it was also aimed at football fans, it was very it? much and and it still is i mean the the, the Daily Star was all about fun and football, huge football paper. Yeah. I mean, you put football on page one and you sold through the roof. And yeah. that's and it, it's still a great little paper and it's put together by the best people in the business. I mm. mean, they are a fantastic little a, team An ever-dwindling band, you'd have to a say. A very ever-dwindling band, but it's a great little paper and it's doing well. And, yeah, under me, it went up to sales of over a million. Yeah. And, yeah, I was... That's enough about you, though. Tell us a story the, about what your favourite moment was. Come on. You must, there must be one you can come up with. I, I, most of them, I, you, I can't say on air, to be <laughs> honest with you, Mike. I'm just racking my brains for one that I can all actually right. articulate without getting well, all, all sorts right. of people in trouble. All right, trouble. let me make it easier for you. How about um, the best story that you ever did that was kind of, you know, something that nobody else got? Um, oh, gosh. Um, you should have warned me that you were going to ask me Why? these questions. Like, we have brilliant stories every single day, to be honest with you. Um, ah, no, I can't think of one. It was just such no. a good paper every single day, okay. obviously. Yeah, of course, absolutely right. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm writing my memoirs, you see, which is why I keep telling right, myself. Right, so you're, yeah, you're stories. obviously thinking about all this. Yeah, I know, because you forget. I mean, you do yes, have to you think do. about... Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, so... I'm now sort of, because I'm thinking about things now, not in a chronological order, but just in sort of an incident that happened. Yeah. You know, like having to chase some guy um, who was having an affair with um, Princess Michael all the way through uh, New York uh, Kennedy Airport Terminal and then getting on a plane with him and then asking him when I got on the plane whether uh, he, he was having an affair with her. I mean, it's all that sort of stuff yeah. driving down Santa Monica Boulevard chasing George Michael you know and landing at the same restaurant as him every time he went out anywhere but you can't you can't remember you, you can remember the incident but you can't remember when it happened I can remember loads of stuff that yeah. I did as a reporter on the road because yes. I worked there for 21 years so yeah. before I became the editor mm. so you can remember all that sort of stuff but when you were the actual editor mm. it's just like I just there's a lot of firefighting as well isn't there I mean there it's not an easy awful, job it's not an easy job and I, th I think people do underestimate the work that goes into producing tabloids in yeah. particular like the like the, the Sun like the Daily Star and the Daily Mirror you know it's, it's much much harder mm. to produce a hard in punchy little paper yes. than it is to sort of like you know the broadsheets where you can waffle on for like four thousand words. Yes, and just put everything in. Uh, yes, don't absolutely. Leave everything out. No, no, and you're also fighting the management upstairs. The you're management fighting... upstairs, and you have to sell. Yeah, and you have to sell. And, uh, and you know, a lot of time, you know, we we became well known for doing a lot of TV, in particular Big Brother when it first started. But the thing is, I mean, we were selling a product, and if you put Big Brother on page one every day, it sold. Mm. So why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. Because that's what that's what it was about. The sure. readers loved it. Why not give the readers what they want? Well, I mean, call me old fashioned. There's nothing wrong with actually uh, pandering to the people that buy the product well, no, but, uh, and actually giving them what they're asking for. A lot of people for. sneer at that. I do, a lot of people yeah, do sneer at that. A lot do. of media commentators Well, there's a lot of media commentators right. sneer. I read a piece actually by uh, probably uh, your favourite media commentator, Roy Greenslade, who used to work for the staff 
funnily enough, uh, who uh, then was uh, re- rescued by uh, Kelvin McKenzie, went over to work for The Sun, uh, who then got involved in a bit of a spot the ball problem, uh, but mm. is now very holy, very much holy than now, then went to work for Robert Maxwell. Mm. But this guy is full of pontifications mm. about, about you know, the dreaded tabloid press yeah. and seems to forget some of the stuff that he got up to well, uh, in his time. But that's another story. No, exactly. uh, we certainly don't want to go there. The 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Will you stop wriggling around, Mike? I'm about to do something very important What here. are you going to do? You're wriggling around everything. in your chair. It's like I'm a small child in this Well, studio. no, because I've got the, ra- the wire's been wrapped around the wheel, so I need it to lift it up. <laughs> okay. Is that right? The it's... dog calls me to have a problem. Uh, yeah, the dog. You got all overexcited. Yes. Any case... It's that time of the week when we cast our ears back over the week of the so-called independent so Republic cool. of Mike Graham. Well, they do that every time. Look, I, I don't know. write this script. I say so-called in, re- in response every time. So, yes, it's exactly. I know. Come on. It's been a week of spooks, frights and surprises on the show. <laughs> so let's find out who has got their hands on a Perrier. I can't guess who's up first. Oh, yes, Must I be can. me, surely. Our first award, as ever, goes to our allegedly eminent leader, <laughs> Mike Graham. Leader. Hurrah. Yeah, rot what? Um, Rock, he, he wins. That's my perio for next week. He wins best award. Well, hold on. He wins award for best double on double entendre. Philip Hammond, of course, you'll hear right here live on Talk Radio coming up at three thirty. Uh, unveils uh, the contents of his red box. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did though. It's true. He wasn't very excited. Though, he was wasn't. It? No, he no. wasn't. Neither was I. No, to be honest. Pull that back. Um, right, and congratulations to regular caller Susan. I do like Susan. I do. I think she's very funny. She wins a perio for most apologies in one sentence. Well, he can't do everything, can he? Because we've cut the bloody... Sorry, I'm not sorry. No, no. Sorry, I do Don't apologize. worry. Sorry, right. I do apologise. So, to I'm point, sorry. The apology accepted. Unless... <laughs> She's lovely, isn't she? She is lovely, yes. yeah. Um, right, it's you again, Mike. You were in the perio for this week's campist reaction. Mm. Can you please deliver it tomorrow? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Or I'm just going to have to find... And what if they find... can't? I'll have to try and squeeze it in my car somehow. Oh, God. <laughs> I missed that one that too. Was really, Not bad though. That very was well spotted. Very well done. Yeah. Yes. I think that that gruff mask of masculinity yeah. slipped there. For Listen, a second, I'm I'm it? perfectly well in touch with my feminine side. <laughs> Did you not know that? Yeah, that's what I worry about. Mm. Uh, right, newsreader Rachel Jewell, Rachel's lovely as well, wins the next award. It's the Perry of the most cautious reading, as clearly she didn't want to stumble over a certain phrase. Duke and Duchess of Sussex have been showing off their welly-wanging skills. <laughs> yeah, you've got to say that one carefully, haven't you? Mm, she mm. did very well there. Yes. Uh, I'm not going anywhere near that. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to move swiftly on to Gerard in C- C- Crew. I can't even talk straight. Q. Dog. Q. Crew. I should have got the Gerard dog to do in this. It would have been better. Come on, back, Woody. The Perry Awards. I'm so rubbish at these. Right. Any case. Jared in crew. I'm sorry you didn't win a perio this week, but congratulations to your dog who managed to pip Woody to the award for goodest boy. Is that a word? Goodest boy of the week. Yeah. The dog's doing what dogs do. He did his business on the edge of the canal. I offered to pick her up and I said, would you be offended if I offered to pick that up and help? And she said, I would be offended. I'd rather you didn't because I'm a feminist. Well, <laughs> that just makes her a silly move. Dog, that's dog, that's dog, picking up dog poo. Let, let me just finish the story. The dog, <laughs> See, the dog agrees. Dogs, dogs agree. <laughs> you know, I think the dog was triggered by the word feminist. Feminist. <laughs> There's a lot of that going just on here. Just barking. <laughs> um, and it was a girl dog as well. It yes, was a girl of course. Dog, remember, right? Okay, back to you, Mike. Mm, what a surprise. Mm. You win the Perrier for Slimmer of the Week thanks to this chat with Mark in Bristol. 
I mean, they're only skinny little oikes anyway. I was just right. going to grab with them. Oh, talk about skinny little oikes. I, I, Mike, I reckon I've had more hot dinners than you, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, nobody believed that, actually, to be honest. <laughs> I don't want to see a picture of that. No. Um, sticking with you, Mike. God's mm. almighty. This I'm getting loads this week. This is great. This week, Very isn't good, it? isn't it? You so, you're also in the period for most intriguing comment. Oh, not come on. No, Put your little devil it. horns on no, again. I'm not wearing those again. No, I've worn once. I know, but I can look cute, cute with a lot of different things no. on. <laughs> that is true. Go on. Yeah, that is true. I'll show you my, uh, my to, collection later. I didn't have time to. Oh, I didn't have time to pull you that one last. No. Time. <laughs> right. Oh, moving swiftly on. Um, Chris in Chichester wins a perrier for the highest pitch. Yes. The Met have just sent out letters hmm. begging them to come back. Really? The people on the street. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, that's Very something you, good. Other your camp moments. Yes. Now, you would expect high-ranking police officers to be efficient in complicated driving manoeuvres. Sergeant Simon Kempton is no different. He wins the perio for U-turn of the week. Do you worry, though, Sergeant, that, that you're encouraging sort of people to sort of not only solve their own crimes, but also kind of hand out their own vigilante justice? Because you're effectively saying, look, we are swamped. We can't organise ourselves into any kind of a proper force against crime. You're going to have to take matters into your own hands. I mean, that's the kind of subliminal message you're sending out here. Well, I hope not. And that's two sentences that you've just made up that none of which I've said. I but, beg your pardon, um, what, I haven't what, made what, anything I up, don't Sergeant. Want Please don't do accuse me of making things up. It really annoys me. Oh, well. What I've said to you is your subliminal message, which is not something you've said, it is something you haven't said. That's what subliminal means, right? Your subliminal so message. In that case, it's really good that you brought it up, and I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, they all agree with me in I, the end. Absolutely, yeah, you yeah. do wear them down, Mike. I yes. do. Right. It's easier to agree with me. That's the, the lesson of this. Is I'm just not going to agree with agree. you on that one, don't worry. Mm. And finally, mm. our political editor, Ross Kempsell, wins the last Perrier Award of this week. He wins the gong for Metaphora of the Week. That is definitely not a word. That is definitely not Metaphora. a word. Metaphora? Wasn't yes. that one of the Greek gods? <laughs> Well, I'm just watching the sunlight filter through the trees now on a rather chilly morning in Westminster and landing on the side of the Palace of Westminster. And I wonder whether the Chancellor will be bringing any sunshine today. That's the key question. Yeah, I think the sun's set on that particular <laughs> cliche at some point or other, isn't it? Well done, Ross. Oh, well done, Ross. Is that the first Perrier he's won? I think it I, might be. I'm not sure, actually. Mm. I think he might have won. In any case, that's it for the Perrier Awards. There'll be more next week when, thankfully, I won't be here to mess them up. So I suggest you do get Woody the dog back in to do it. The 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.